Don't say, don't tell him that he has a handicap, though. He refuses to allow that to be an excuse for him or be who he is. He has fought. He, is, he has been through struggle. He has been through tough times to put himself in this position. Doesn't feel sorry for himself, and he doesn't want anyone else to feel sorry for him. And every time he takes the field, whether it's on the practice field or whether it's on the game field, all that emotion, all those people that have talked about him, that have told him he couldn't do it, he uses that as energy, as motivation. And that's why when I popped the tape on, never seen a guy play with as much effort and as hard as Shaquem Griffin. You could tell him that I've been from hell and back. When the heat is on, I fire back. In this cold world, where your light is at. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. I am so pumped for this one. I'm bringing in one of the absolute best people of the entire industry. But before I do, just a quick word from our sponsor. Have you ever wished you could be an NFL general manager? Well, now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online, a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy teams like an NFL general manager. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel and features the revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams and has a ton of other cool features as well. In addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automatic contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com and a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use promo code DD to receive 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not overselling this one. Josh Norris of Roto World is here to join us. You can follow him on Twitter, at Josh Norris. Josh, how are we doing today? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing, you know what? It's funny because <laughs> when we started this phone call, I was doing not so hot because here come the Jets bringing in Josh McCown and Isaiah Crowell. And then the second you hop on, they sign Tremaine Johnson. I'm like, there's hope. There's hope. So, you know what? I'm starting to think you're my good luck charm. So, at six, I might have to call you on Skype just so they don't draft Josh Allen. <laughs> I will say I went to college and, and roomed with a Jets fan. And that freshman year, um, they drafted Vernon Golston. And he has never allowed me to live that down because I just laughed at him for the entire next week. So I don't know if you want to do that, actually, when they're on the, the clock at six. That's hilarious. But you know what? I mean, the Jets only draft one <laughs> position. You know, they went for about eight years were only defensive ends, and now they're only drafting safeties. But let's let's jump right into the to a guy I think is probably the easiest guy to root for in the entire draft, and Shaquem Griffin. What When you watch his game, like, what are his strengths that are going to translate to the NFL? Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of take you down the path of where I started evaluating him and kind of where we are now. Um, whenever the senior bowl and shrine game rolls around, I try to watch every single player, um, at attending those games, those all-star events before they start, because I, I want some kind of level of, of comfort with them. Right. I, I don't want that to be the first exposure. And so obviously I knew about the story and cause I watch college football on Saturdays and how often his name would come up. And so I turn on his bowl game against Auburn and realize that how many defensive snaps that team played. Um, and then I see him and it was 90 and he was on the field for all 90. And then when Auburn was trying to come back into the game, in those final two or so minutes, he was the one that whenever the quarterback would escape out of the pocket, would be chasing him down and just being at a totally different gear or totally different speed than anyone else at UCF. They used him a lot on the edge. Then they asked him to be a spy in some situations 
asked him to drop into coverage and others. Um, and and just what I see from him is what he then showed at the combine. Like he is a true closing speed player and that final gear that he has with the motor on top of it with the 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 engine that doesn't run out of fuel is is insanity like playing all 90 snaps in that game was something else and i remember talking to like eric galco and a whole bunch of people um dane brugler like that week when when we were talking about our favorite players heading in to the the senior bowl week it it wasn't just like oh this is a story let's root for him it was this guy's a legitimate player and I'm, I'm so glad that whenever people now go back and watch him because of this 40 time, they'll certainly see the same thing as well. The motor is absolutely the first thing that jumps off to you. Uh, the closing speed, absolutely. I mean, he ran the 4.38 at the combine. He's, you mentioned he played edge at UCF. He's probably not doing that in the NFL at six foot no. two twenty seven. I've seen that thrown and, out And can, there, can we also talk about why, and I know I just cut you off, but we, and this is an interesting one and a conversation you and I will never have probably moving forward and haven't in our past. Because how often do you see a player with one hand, right? And like it is something that is going to be a factor in his evaluation no matter what. And it's something that will need to be discussed. And so for someone to play on the edge, like it is important to have two hands, right? Like I'm not saying that he can't be a successful blitzer because I think he definitely can because of that closing speed in a number of different ways. But playing on the edge, play after play after play and lining up against actually good offensive linemen, it's a disadvantage to not have two hands. So for for me, his projection is is easily to an off-ball linebacker spot just backing him up off a little, a little bit. Despite the fact that you don't really want to talk about his handicap, you can't not address it when you're talking right. when you're doing his evaluation. So you're you're talking about an undersized off-ball linebacker, I believe. I mean, I, I know they tried him out some in safety drills at certain points. I think during the senior bowl, right, or corner drills or something. Yeah, point. they put him at like a single high safety in some days, and and I was talking to him down there in Mobile, and he was saying that they'll play. He'll play on the edge, which he did, and they actually rushed the the outside linebackers quote unquote more often this year at the senior bowl than they ever had before and one-on-one drills and stuff like that. And he was doing those individuals, but then like the final day or the second to last day, I can't remember. He was lining up at single high safety as well. So he was playing all the way across the defense. That's one of those things is you're probably going to need to get creative with him. Whatever team uses a draft pick on him, not just because of the one hand, but because he's an undersized player for what he did in college. And, you know, when you talk about his blitzing ability and closing ability, I think he's going to be really good on stunts or delayed blitzes where gaps open. He's going to use his closing speed. I think that's where he's going to be most successful. You can drop him off in coverage. He's probably not going to have great ball skills. But, like, when he when they would drop him off into the flats at UCF, he got there so quickly and cut away okay. a lot of these, you know, quick bubble screens or whatever quick passes that – dominate college football UCF able to take a lot of that away because of what he was able to do with his speed and I think that's kind of what you need to do with him in the NFL you want to take advantage of 438 speed and a guy that can make plays in space is is something that I think has value in today's NFL yeah and and the game to watch for that and I think he played probably more coverage in this game than any other is the Memphis game like he he was kind of a force defender in some situations, even a slot corner in others. Um, and and he was used out in a lot of those curled flat areas, and then even dropped even further back in in other instances. So if, if if anyone out there wants to watch that one game, it's it's probably the Memphis one. Yeah, that's actually the game I'm thinking of when I I noticed how much yep. he was taking away. And you know the other thing is in run support, if he is the backside of the play, he can use that closing speed and make plays and. Listen, he's going to miss some tackles with having one hand, but he, you know, he tripped up a lot of guys in situations that would surprise you. And I think his motor and his play speed is what's going to get him in the NFL. But you mentioned earlier, we can't not talk about the hand. So when you have concerns with his game, whether it be the hand or his game in general, 
What, what are some of his weaknesses that concern you? Yeah, and I just don't think he can line up on a consistent basis, like I said, on the edge. Like, that's just not his game. Um, and yes, at the college level, like at the NFL level, we, we don't even see, you know, 64 good starting offensive tackles in the NFL. And, and yeah. it's even worse at the college game. And even when he lined up against tight ends and tackles, when his initial momentum has stopped, and I think you saw this a lot, um, his go-to counter was just like spin in place, right? And like, that's just not going to work. And spinning in place works in some instances, one-offs. But as as a consistent counter move to restart your momentum, that's just not his game. Um, and and if if people are talking about him moving completely further away from the football to safety, I think that's an iffy subject as well because that's a complete projection that I have no idea how to factor that in. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but when Telvin Smith was coming out of school at FSU because he was so lean back then and it wasn't as common for linebackers to be in like that 225, 235 pound range, um, there were some that wanted to move him to safety. And my question always with that is why do you want to move someone further away from the football when they are best closer to the football? So even though I just said that he's probably not best on the edge as a true edge rusher, I would probably say that in a four-man front. I think that he actually does a pretty good job of setting the edge and holding his own um, against the run uh, when he does line up on, on the edge. But with that said, I, I, I think strong side linebacker, weak side linebacker, you know, what we talked about with delayed rushes, things like that. Um, there are parts of his game that we just don't know, right, because of how much of the game was – was ahead of him so he could use that closing speed to attack and so we really don't know how good he is when turning his back to the quarterback and lining up in true man coverage and that's the same for all these off-ball linebackers but i i think since his strengths are so easy to identify we know um how we can use those hopefully in the nfl yeah i think your pass rush point is a really good one i mean I, I thought he really had three moves. He tried to go completely up the field and completely speed rush you, and if that didn't work, he got stuck a lot, or he would do that spin move. And then if yeah. you overplayed that, then he would kind of do a hop step inside and be able to close that way. But we we talk and some about- of the sacks were, were were covered sacks, and again with his motor, and that yeah. that works in the NFL too, right? Like at least he still has that. But but like you mentioned, most of that's probably going to come when he's a blitzer. Yeah, and like his. His motor is absolutely fantastic, and people can blow that off if they want, but that's incredibly important to me for an NFL player because if you never stop and you're moving that quickly at all times, you're going to get involved in some plays. And that's what you saw at UCF. I mean, fumble recoveries or what, what have you. He, he was always around the football because he never gave up. I, I think that you're right. He set the edge probably better than I expected when I was watching his yeah. game, but he's <laughs> not someone I would feel great about in – you know, if teams were running at him, I think they would try to do that a lot in the NFL. So he probably is best in that nickel package linebacker used kind of in space for blitzing situations. When you watch his game, he's probably the most – I think I talked to you a little bit about this pre-show that he might be the most difficult player to have a player comp for because we're talking about a one-handed player in the NFL that was an edge rusher at 227 that's going to be moved to linebacker or safety. Like, that's a tough, tough ask. But if – when you watch his game, is there anyone that he reminds you somewhat of? Yeah, um, Kentucky went through like a streak of these really undersized linebackers who some had questions about, and then they turned out to be good in the NFL. Um, Danny Trevathan was one. Wesley Woodyard was another one. Um, again, this is another player who played on the edge and then will probably move off the ball. And you know who else did that in college? 
was to hear Whitehead. Um, to hear Whitehead did that at Temple. And I love to hear Whitehead's game coming out of school. I didn't think he could succeed in the edge. He was kind of winning with that same athleticism, but then got moved off the ball, obviously, with the Lions and has done quite well. So to hear Whitehead might be the comparison here if he's going to work as a true off-ball linebacker. I love that call. That's a that's. That's I, I just thought of it in our inst- in, in this instant, and I, I wish I thought of it previously. <laughs> that's that's a really good call. So, watch watching a guy last year that he reminded me of, and his game isn't similar. But Buda Baker's motor last year was someone where he never gave up on plays, and he got involved in so much. And I think he's got that level of motor, if not even a little bit more. And we saw Baker be a fantastic player. I mean, listen, he that I'm just comparing the motor aspect of those guys because I'm trying to think of someone that never ever stops. And then right. And, and and if we, we can say one more point here, too, we have criticisms of a player not having or questions of a player not having two hands as an edge rusher. So I, I can even hear some people asking, OK, what about off ball linebacker when an offensive lineman or a tight end or whoever gets the second level? My point there is if you're a linebacker who is constantly facing blocks from offensive linemen and tight ends, you're a bad linebacker. And, and so I think with his speed, with his quickness and heck, even with his recognition, um, that we saw when out in space on those swings and stuff like that, I I don't think that will be a factor with him either. And he's not afraid to use that other arm, right? Like he's certainly, he's not at all, not at all. Like he he doesn't hesitate. He he doesn't play with one arm, right? He, he, he does his best with what he has and, and goes from there. Yeah. I think that's a really good call. And listen, you're going to play him in space and if he's getting stuck on, linebackers all the time that he's not going to be a good player and if a team is asking him to take on blocks then I have no idea what they're asking him to do why they would do that (laughs) but you know it wouldn't be the dumbest thing I've ever seen an NFL team do but so I I guess as a role comparison a little bit of Deion Buchanan I'm just trying to think of a guy with you know linebacker that's that's the one everyone uses but again it's a really unique thing so I want to ask you his game, what, what is your ideal role for him? Teams now are incorporating more and more three safety sets rather than three linebacker or three three corner sets and, and even three linebacker sets. Um, so may, maybe it's something in that regard. You mentioned Dayon Buchanan, who's out there in a lot of two linebacker sets too. Um, I, I kind of have somewhat of an issue at times when Dayon Buchanan is brought up as like this ideal prospect because he's not because he's like really bad against the run. But they understand that. They know that that's a weakness as well. And so does the offense, by the way. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, early on, all we're hearing now, because it's it's such a far-fetched idea for him to be an every-down contributor, that he's going to be a core special teamer, right? And and maybe grow into a, a a nickel situation. I would not put it past him to be a base defender. I I think it's in the realm of possibility, absolutely, that he can be that type of player just because of how unique of his speed and his motor is consistently at the position. And and so in a run and chase situation, I, I can't give you a specific team, but I mean, look, there were similar questions with a player like Telvin Smith. There were similar questions with these leaner linebackers. And, and I think that he ranks up there among prospects like that that I've seen. Listen, First off is that this is the easiest guy to root for in the entire draft, right? Beyond the one hand in his story, just his motor and effort, and whenever you hear him talk, you're like, I want this guy to be awesome. I, I think the point you made about Deion Buchanan is is a good one and fair, and it's, it's tough because everyone also wants to use him as their comparison whenever they talk about a faster linebacker. So I like that you brought in a couple other guys, but I, I think that 
if you get him in a in a sub package role to start, and maybe he develops into that four three off ball linebacker, he can yeah. succeed there. But the sub package, you kind of you take advantage of his speed. You say, you know what, you might be a liability against the run, but we're not going to put you in these situations. We're going to put you in situations where you get to use this speed and either cover the flat or cover a tight end, or we're going to use you on a stunt and we're going to get your closing speed on the quarterback and you're going to finish plays. So. The place I want to see him go is Seattle. And I said and this, I could totally see it. I, I said this to you, and I realized after I said it that his twin brother is there. And, you know, I I, I think that's you, – you hear that – I'm not making this a basketball thing, but the Morris twins, when they went to the NBA, they struggled for a while, and they went to the same team, and they really kind of picked things up. So I don't know if there's like a little twin mentality there, but that's not what I'm going for. I'm thinking about the Seattle fan base in general, the way they go nuts and how loud they are and his – Initial burst off the line of scrimmage and his closing speed could be fantastic there with any kind of lineman that's getting one, you know, a half step slow off the line of scrimmage. I think that could be fantastic. Plus, I think that city would embrace everything about him. And every time he made a play would absolutely go nuts and that place would be rocking. And as you know, they're the only team that put him through a formal interview at the Combine. Now, I'm not sure how much we can read into that because these teams already were able to really formally interview him also at the, the Senior Bowl. Um, and you know, he's been a senior at UCF. So scouts have gone through there as well. So, but it's interesting that they're the ones showing the most interest when theoretically they also know him the best because of his twin brother. Um, and I don't know if you typically like throw out round projections here, but I would be stunned if he makes it out of the fourth round. I don't, but I love when people do. Cause listen, you, you are one of the people that and I, I typically don't do that, but I, based on like kind of how the storyline is trending, and it is a storyline, right? And how uplifting he is and how he plays the game. I would be stunned if he gets out of the fourth round, and I wouldn't be surprised if he is a third-round selection. That's awesome because, I mean, there have been a couple reports that he might not get drafted. And I, I loved how everyone kind of rallied behind that, like, stop. You're, you're doing too much. I, th- I agree with you. I have a fourth-round grade on him because of his speed. I could even understand taking him in the third round. So I think that makes a lot of sense, and that's good to hear. Josh, I just want to thank you for coming on, man. Your your stuff is fantastic. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, you guys know. It's it's Roto World. It's at Josh Norris. If you aren't subscribed to it, check out the Roto World Football Podcast as well. Um, we talk draft stuff. We talk NFL stuff. We do it all. So I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on, man. Guys, again, he's Josh Norris. I'm Elliot Christ. You're listening to the Draft Daily Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Google, and Stitcher. As always, we really appreciate you listening. Thank you. Thank you.